Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS sports podcast. I am Mike Casazza, joined by Chris Anderson to talk about college basketball season at West Virginia, the stretch run here. A handful of games left, and Chris, the pressure's on right now. Um, I would say not a lot of surprises as far as results, maybe the style of the games over the weekend, but Program that does not play well on the road, lost two road games and didn't play well against what's looking like, well, at least for one day, uh, one of the best teams in the country in Texas. And then on Monday night, one of the hotter teams and maybe more interesting, more dangerous teams going in Baylor. Again, 0-2, not a surprise, but maybe the style is concerning. And then here you go now. Two home games in February that you you just have to have against teams that are going to make this a lot more difficult than the Mountaineers want. Yep, here we are, five games left, and these two home games, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, are must wins. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't even think that's like debatable, um, given what's after that. Because I think, and and we've kind of not just us, but some other people too. And and the national guys as well kind of said, you know, 18 might be the number. Um, and, and it might need to be seven and 11 in conference play. Well, that means you got to get three of these next five. And, you know, Bob Huggins was saying on his radio show, Hey, you got the two home games and then we can win at Kansas and we can win at Iowa state. I'm not sure I agree with him on those two things. And then you end the season at home again, but it's against Kansas state. Um, man, it is hard to find three wins in there. And I, I where do we say? Well, let's start with this confirm. Do we, are we in agreement that it is at least got to go three and two to get in? Not universally. Right. Okay. Okay, because again, if they um, let's just cut out a regular season because I just I don't have a lot of faith in and and I don't have I don't want to give anybody automatics in the Big Twelve tournament just because it's it's goofy and they could win two games and they could get blown out in the first game. I don't know. Like 
we've seen enough of this conference this year to just not um, not pencil in outcomes. It's a, it's too unpredictable, unfair. But if they lose to Texas Tech, but they beat Kansas and Iowa State, that might do it. Like that's two enormous wins. Or if they beat Kansas and Kansas State, like those are two good computer wins there too for a, the computer team this year too. But as Bob Huggins said, they haven't won a whole lot at Kansas. Um, they've never won at Kansas. So that's going to be hard to do. And then, like, I don't think that beating Iowa State and Kansas will do it. So if they're not going to get three wins, one of the two has to beat Kansas at this point. But even then, if a team can't beat Texas Tech, is that team going to beat Kansas at Kansas? Again, goofy year, maybe. But... Yeah, the the easier road here is just to win three and not worry about two and cross your fingers. Yeah, I think was it was last week we did the mailbag and somebody asked this question, what was the magic number? And I think and I and I know I said eighteen, but I said it was an outside chance of seventeen and then one, you know, making sure you win that seven versus ten or eight versus nine game in the Big Twelve, and then maybe, maybe that's enough to get in. Yeah, and the metrics uh, are going to be wobbly too because, like, they they beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech just beat Texas. Yeah. Like, so weird things like that do catch up to you a little bit, and then some of their non-conference stuff has held up, even though they've lost the games. Like, you know, one of their great non-conference games didn't look like it was much early in the season of Pitt. Computers don't love Pitt necessarily, but that's fine. They still a good win against a top team, and then you know UAB's kind of come back to life a little bit for a little bit. Um, Xavier has been better Purdue. So there are some good ones in there too. So a lot of the stuff, if teams that they play just do better, that can remove some of the margin that West Virginia's performances might be creating right now. Trouble is that you're banking on other people to do your work for you and you'd much rather do it yourself. That's not a position anybody wants to be in right now. Mike, is it, I'm ready to discuss. Actually, let me, let me start by telling you this. I got to admit something to you, Mike. I was going to, I made an attempt to temporarily replace you on the pod for one day. I, 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 I shot my shot and reached out to ESPN to ask Joe Lenardi to come on. Oh, was he busy? It seems like he is busy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It seems like there's something else going on that he doesn't have time for uh, a local West Virginia podcast. But I wanted to talk with him about West Virginia, this this West Virginia team and the metrics. And you and I kind of discussed it right before we started recording. WVU is the only team in the top 45 of the net with double-digit losses. And they're still, even after last night's loss to Baylor, in the top 25. <laughs> Has this WVU team broken the net already? So I've been banging this drum for a little bit. And that there, it doesn't make sense, Chris, for everything you just said, too. And then again, I know, I know like, they, all right, they beat UAB. That's a good win. UAB's below Texas Tech in the net. Granted, Texas Tech jumps a lot, but that's not a great win. Um, they beat Pip, but Pip, again, is not impressing the computers here, too. So sometimes I wonder about how they did this. So I think collectively, they just did enough in the non-conference with who they beat and, you know, where they played and all that. That helps. Like, the Florida win was good. 
for a little bit. But Florida, I don't know, hasn't been terrific since then. Um, I believe they're 53 in the net today. So that's a good win. But what's your favorite moment of the 13 and 12 Florida Gators season, right? So it's just a strange team that has found a way to cook the numbers. And then I think I think this is – I'm not trying to be negative here, but I do think you're going to sit down at some point and presuming this team does not rip off a bunch of good wins or get those quality wins that we think would make this conversation irrelevant. If they're there at the end on that, you know, last four in, first four outline, um, play in kind of a game, you're looking at that number in the right-hand column, Chris, it, overall – and in the conference, and if a team has, you know, 14 losses and, I don't know, maybe 12 overall because the Big 12 tournament. But, like, if they're 7-11 and they go 1-1 in the Big 12 tournament and they beat, you know, Oklahoma, I don't know. I just – that that's, that is not a situation you want to be in on Selection Sunday or Saturday night and, and you know, following MEAC and, and, and all these other MAC and, and Mountain West and West Coast Conference tournament games for – are they going to steal a bid? Because now you're chewing on your fingernails more than you want to because of, you know, a play here, a free throw here, a defensive rotation here, you know, back in January and February. But I don't think the committee is going to even go into that much foresight. I really think they're going to look at at numbers and who you beat in the, who they've beaten in the Big 12 so far. Um, Iowa State, cool. Who have they beaten in non-conference play? We just kind of wrap it off. They don't have a lot of impressive stuff there, but did enough to impress the computers. Computers aren't making the field. It's going to be very, very uh, subjective on the selection committee. And I just think that, you know, 13 losses or something like that is going to be a powerful tool. I'm looking at these net and I think it looks like it's all, it's not jumbled up, but it's in the ranking order, but I'm trying to see the number of quad one games and West Virginia has 14, which I believe is the second most in the country behind Kansas who has no, Texas and Baylor have 15. So still, whatever, top top three, top five-ish uh, with 14 games. And four and 10, which hurts, obviously. But it is so close. Like, <clears throat> we're talking about, you know, cooking the numbers. These numbers could be even crazier because Florida right now, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, counts as a quad two win because they're number 53. But if they get to 50, that's all of a sudden another quad one win. Texas Tech jumped all the way up to 60, which made them a quad one win now after they beat Texas. Um, I believe Auburn, yeah, Auburn's number 35. Like if they get up to 30, that's a quad one win. Like so many of these games are in line to kind of just on the border. And I think that's what's, what, as you put it, is cooking these numbers here. Now I'm confused. I was about to rattle off a, a, a stat about how West Virginia was one of only like two teams or three teams that did not have a quote-unquote bad loss, like a quad two, three, or four loss. Mm -hmm. But it has changed in the last couple of days, and West Virginia now has a quad two loss. Now I'm trying to figure out who that is. So I'm – Currently stalling for time, trying to figure that out. But I'm assuming. Well, grab your shovel. Good digging. I'll entertain for a second here. <laughs> um, last season, here's a team with a very similar resume to West Virginia this year. Uh, right now, West Virginia 29 in the net. This team 39. Eh, 
but that's the final number, right? Not current. And again, if West Virginia is going to, we presume here, not go undefeated the rest of the way, that 29 is going to go down quite a bit. Not maybe not 10, but it'll go down. Uh, postseason resume here. So that's that's a, a ranking about your 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 postseason resume. 26 versus 32. Um, last season, Oklahoma at this time, same record as West Virginia. Um, four nine in the conference. Didn't look great. Lost some more, but then got hot at the end of the regular season. Beat Oklahoma State, beat West Virginia, won at Kansas State. Not quality wins there, but still wins. They finished 17 and 14 in the regular season. They beat Baylor in the conference tournament. They lose to Texas Tech. They don't make the tournament. Really similar resume. Uh, 7-11 in the Big 12. Won their final three in the regular season. Won a tournament game and didn't get in. Now, is the bubble the same last year as this year? No, but... That's a team that impressed the net, had some moments in the season. Again, get a, gets a non-conference, excuse me, gets a conference tournament win against a good team. You're thinking, okay, that team has done enough to get in. Didn't. So seven, I think, is the number here for sure. But even then, seven, the precedent says no, didn't work. Um, I just think this is going to be a lot more nervy than than people anticipated just because the numbers say this. So we'll see some stomping, I'm sure, about who they played, where they played margin of victory in some of these games too like it's not just to beat Pitt and to beat florida but to crush Pitt and florida um but where's florida going nit maybe where's Pitt going can't crack um you know that that easy in field of the tournament now they're one of those last four or final four buys that that get into the tournament right now too so um it's going to come down to, to getting some wins here and, and again nothing would move the needle like beating the kansas or an iowa state on the road there too but I know, Chris. Um, man, their performances on the road of late uh, have not been good. Almost the opposite of of how close and how competitive they they were at the start of the conference season. Yes, yeah, so that team you were talking about was last year's Oklahoma team, right? Mm-hmm. And that one quad two loss right now is this year's Oklahoma team on the road at Oklahoma. They are seventy six, so that's a a road loss outside of the top seventy, which makes it quad two. So. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I'm trying to – I'm scrolling back through by conference because we've only done the net for a few years here to see where – what the highest net was to not make the tournament. Would you like to take a stab at what I've found so far? Highest net to not make the tournament? Or the the lowest, I guess. Best. You know, the, the best. Best. Okay. best. I I know I saw this before, and I cannot remember, but it's a power conference team, I believe – and I want to say it was in the 30s, but I could not tell you who or what year. Uh, NC State, 33. Okay. Um, what was that, 2018? Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, yeah, we haven't done this for a while. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was tough. That was – and that that ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, but that had to deal with the fact that NC State, I think, I think they had a lot of wins, but they had a weak schedule. This is going to be the opposite of that. So I'm very curious how they view it because obviously West Virginia's schedule is much tougher. Uh, let me see. Yeah, NC State's non, non-conference strength of schedule that year was 352nd out of 353 teams. Hmm. So um, West Virginia is not that, and it's the exact opposite. Does that change anything? Does it change anything if West Virginia is literally like 
you know, 25. I mean, it's going to be so weird and difficult if West Virginia goes two and three in these last five games. And, you know, a couple of these ones that are on the border, like I was talking about um, with Florida, like say Florida gets another couple wins and they move in the top 50, that adds another quad one game to West Virginia's resume and stuff like that. If a couple of those break the right way. And West Virginia is in the top 25 of the net and is not in the NCAA tournament. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They're going to pick apart the net. Just just be ready for that. Like, There's too many ACC teams and, and some power conference teams that are going to say, wait a minute, we're a blue blood. We're in a power conference. We have it harder than this other league. Whereas if you look at the Mountain West, for example, and the ACC, who do you think is better? It's not who actually is better this year. So you could you could say these things, but once you actually peel back the curtain and look at it, you know, every year is different. And this is not a traditional year in some of these smaller conferences, too, which again, that that worries you a little bit when it comes to auto bids and and multi-bid leagues where you might not normally see them. But I just think that there's gonna be enough power brokers who are saying, wait a minute, can we not lean on the net so much here? Can we go on the eye test? Because the net is the net's very objective. It doesn't matter when you won your games, it doesn't do last 10. So like West Virginia's win against Pitt, a lot of people would be like, Well. That was early in the season. Pitt's totally different. As far as the net is concerned, it happened last night. It just doesn't matter. Like they, it, it's that that's a variable that is not included there too. Whereas someone in the committee might be like, "Well, West Virginia, totally different team back then. That's when they were ten and two. I can't wait that as much." But that's the difference between the subjective and the objective view. I really think when you get a selection committee around and they have their allegiances and their friends and their preferences, and they think power basketball or a power league is worth more. You know, that that, for example, might work in West Virginia's favor, too. But the same people might also be like, that's a lot of losses for a team that's going to take up one of these spots. Who is and here's the dangerous phrase, Chris, most deserving. And that's going to be teams that went on the road and play games or won a preseason tournament or they're eight and two in their last 10 or they went two and one in the conference tournament where, again, that doesn't necessarily matter to the computers. You know, again, that first game of the season is the same as your your first round win in your conference tournament too. So what have you done for me lately doesn't matter, but what you've done lately that might impress the human element here too, which again that that's what make these these final 5 so important and and these home games so much pressure, believe it or not, on these home games and and let's just talk about the opposition here Chris and beginning with Texas Tech. I mean the last thing that West Virginia needed was a monkey wrench in the plans here and all of a sudden, they've won some games and look alive, and they figured out their formation, their rotations, and their personnel, especially getting the big guy back in the court and healthy. Um, 
maybe Texas had this coming if you listen to Bob Huggins last night, but I, I just don't know if you're going to be scared about coming to Morgantown and Texas has a little bit of that house money thing too. That's not what they want. And then after that, like Oklahoma State's been very competitive at West Virginia for years and is playing high-level basketball right now too. These are two games you got to get at home, but two opponents that, again, I said earlier, they're going to make this more difficult than West Virginia wants. Yeah, Oklahoma State has won seven of their last eight games, including Iowa State, TCU, Iowa State again at Iowa State. Um, so these, you know, they're riding high right now. They're they're a good basketball team, I think. Or you know, just a couple of weeks ago, it was, oh man, this is this is one of the teams from the league that's not making the tournament. Now all of a sudden, they're definitively in. I mean, they have a winning conference record right now in Big 12 play. They are seven games above 500. I mean, they were they were not good in non-conference play against some bad teams. I mean, they have losses to Southern Illinois, UCF, and and Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech's not bad, but you know what I'm saying. Like, their, their strength has been with the toughest part of their schedule somehow, which is pretty impressive. And so that's going to be a tough one. And, yeah, um, Oh man, I didn't do my pronunciation guide, but yes, as, as Bob Huggins said, and as you said, the big guy is back for Texas tech and he looked good last night against Texas. Um, yeah, well, I'm looking at, looking at the line right now, 12 points, eight rebounds, six of nine shooting played 28 minutes. Um, solid stat line for a guy who's, you know, kind of working his way back into things. Fardaw's AMAC. There you go. Okay. Um, Again, play the teams, but you play the schedule, too, here. Um, obviously, Texas Tech off until Saturday. Oklahoma State has a Saturday-Monday as well, and they are the team that travels for both of these. They travel to TCU Saturday and then West Virginia on Monday. So I guess the Mountaineers will figure out how the other half lives. That helps for sure. Uh, after that is what? Kansas-Iowa State, correct? On a sat- the next Saturday-Monday? Yes. Yes. Um, not as difficult, but TCU, let's see here. Yeah, so they, they'll play on a Monday because they could play a Saturday, Monday too. So Kansas plays at TCU Monday the 20th. Then they're off all week. Welcome, Kansas. Uh, well, then they go to Kansas. And then here's the tricky one, Chris. Um, Iowa State at home, but Iowa State plays Oklahoma before. Like, not like an off day in the Big 12, but like that's going to be softer too. So there's going to be some... You would kind of hope, like I definitely think that what West Virginia and Iowa State went through affected them in their second game. Um, Iowa State just had a tough time and didn't look like they had the energy, and like they got beat up a bunch. But then so did West Virginia, which just didn't have it Saturday against Texas too. But like look who, especially in these Saturday Monday games, where you play Saturday, who you play Saturday, how those games go, because man, it's a quick turnaround late in the season too to put so many of these Saturday Mondays back just for television. Um, that could be difficult and frustrating for coaches too. So. You know, we'll see that they got to get those there too, and and try to make it work. Um, Chris, what have you seen about the road games that I don't know worry you, concern you, alarm you? Because every one of them, of late, when it goes back to TCU, has had a stretch where you just go yuck. It could be offensively, could be defensively, but it's there for a little bit, and then it disappears. They have something, and then they don't. And then the times where they are on the back foot or they're they're going sideways and backward. Those seem to last far longer and then come much sooner 
than those impressive emphatic sequences do. Well, I think last night for the game against Baylor, I post I only tweeted a couple times, and one of them was here's the obligatory, you know, stat broadcast, official box score, current trends section. And it seems like at any point you could do that for West Virginia. And last night it was, you know, West Virginia, oh, for the last 10 from the floor, hasn't made a field goal in, you know, whatever it was, three, 353, 453. Um, there is a stretch like that almost every single game. I haven't checked the uh, Evan Miyakawa um, stats on this lately, but there, he did put up a graph. How was it about? It was last month sometime about the teams who make 10-0 runs and the teams who allow 10-0 runs. And West Virginia was one of the worst in the country in having 10-0 runs, in, in making 10 straight points before the other team does, and kind of average in allowing it, which just mean you know, it, which is fine if you're going to be average in that, but then if you're bad in the other way, then you're just bad. And so that that's what's concerning to me is that the opposing teams, and we've seen it a couple different times now, can just tweak and sometimes just outright change how they are playing defense on West Virginia. And then that's it. Like West Virginia's offense is out of the game for the next five, seven minutes of actual game time. And you can't afford that when you're West Virginia. Your, your offense is already not that good. And if you're going to kind of crater like that, it's only going to make things worse. And, you know, after each game, Huggins gets asked about it. He was asked about it again last night. What happened when Baylor went to that zone? And every single time he says, the guys just didn't run what I called. And he said, that's why he made some of the substitutions he made. And at some point, that can't be the excuse anymore, whether it's the actual excuse or the actual reason or it's not. If that's the actual reason, those other guys need to not play anymore. You can't keep playing guys who aren't going to do what they're told, like who aren't going to run the offense. And so I think that's what's most concerning to me. It seems that every time they get on the road, an opposing team just tweaks their defense and West Virginia balls up in the fetal position and that's it. Let me bounce some stats off you here for a second, Chris. Um, Go for it. Yeah, seven 10-0 runs or better this year for West Virginia. Seven. There are how many 340-something teams in Division One? I? I think it was over 350, or it was over 350 before. I don't know if it got smaller. Okay. Uh, 47 have fewer. So, like, you're in the 300s there. That's not good. But they've only given up four. Wow. So that's an interesting one here, too. Um, some of the teams that they've lost to, as far as Kim Palm's adjusted offense, Baylor, number one, Purdue, number seven, Xavier, number eight, Texas number 12. And then there's this team that's ranked number 17 in adjusted offense, Chris. Perhaps you've heard of them. It's West Virginia. Okay. So we're so West Virginia is breaking every single metric. Every metric. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I think I think that's why I know I think the coach feeds into this sometimes or or fans this a little bit, but when when things are down, they're down. And then as you get closer to the end here. There is a bit of urgency or panic if you even want. And you just you just say, oh, man, they got to win these. They can't lose these. And the reality is that, like, sometimes you just ball things up. Like, Saturday's game, you just ball it up and throw it away. And to some extent, you might even do the same on Monday because a guy hit eight threes on you. 
Jonathan Chumwa Chachwa was like the dream on the post. Like sometimes you're just like, well, I don't know. And and again, that's the number one offense in the country. They're 53, no, 50. Oh, what was the number here? 53 and five at home in the last four years. Two. And you're not good on the road. And you just go, okay, you know. And then that's one of those things you could look at and be like, well, we only lost by 12 at Baylor, right? So I, maybe that's this thing about the computers are broken, but maybe like West Virginia just take a deep breath and just don't worry about this past Monday, Saturday, worry about the next Saturday coming up. And then the Monday after that, and just get those two and change it, you know? And then, cause now you have that chance. Like you just got a heck of a body blow playing Texas and Baylor back to back on the road twice in 60 hours. That's tough. Not a lot of teams can do that or have to do that because the schedule, but now you get two winnable games, certainly more winnable. Again, they're going to make it hard. I know that, but like, they're at home for it. You don't have to travel. They got to come here. If, if people get ticked off about having to travel the way that West Virginia does, um, well, all right, now you're on the other side here. People got to come to Morgantown. That's not easy. And they got to do it after playing a Saturday game or, or having a high week off after beating Texas too. So maybe, just hear me out here, just take a deep breath and realize that some of these season-long numbers exist for a reason and you just got to find a way to get them back on track and then point this thing in the right direction again. So – you started the podcast with this, just alluded to it there. Maybe we'll nearly end it with this. How many people were going into this Saturday, Monday against two top 10 teams thinking that West Virginia was going to go 2-0? and Or 1-1. One and one. Right. Like, I mean, I think the, the – I, I get that the 34-point loss was, you know, worse than what you thought and allowing a guy to shoot 8 of 11 from 3 might, you know, stick in your craw a little bit. But I think I – you know – realistically you're looking at this schedule and you're saying shoo that this is almost like two schedule losses is what they call them in the NFL and you've you've talked about you you talked about a ton the because Texas had plenty of time to rest before West Virginia came to town and then West Virginia's got to turn right back around from back-to-back road games it is what it is I, I just don't think anybody really truly thought West Virginia was going 2-0 and here or like you said even one and one just will be nine and I'm trying to figure out what the math is here now. We are at nine wins in the past 42 Big 12 row games. They're going to get two in, in 60 hours? I don't think so. That's going to be tough. So now can you can you win at home? And they, that's the thing. They, they, they don't have a lot of, like, armor left, but winning at home all of a sudden has been one of them. And even that hasn't been guaranteed lately, but they have played better at home. So um, an advantage there, too. The one thing that stands out to me, Chris, and this is the last number here too, um, opponent strength of schedule based on offense. West Virginia has the third hardest in the country. So based on the offenses you see, only two teams have a harder schedule. One's Michigan State, one's Iowa State. However, strength of schedule rates based on the opponent's defense. West Virginia is fifth. So by offensive or defensive analysis, they have played one of the most difficult schedules in the country, putting together the number four when it comes to uh, total efficiency, too. So th- their schedule is difficult, and then that may give you some leeway. But I think just sometimes it's going to come down to that left and column and that right column, and they're going to have to have some more on the left and on the right because people are going to look at that and just see large numbers. And uh, I imagine the selection process is not very easy, but if you can just dummy it down to, like, they lost a lot of games, um, that whole most deserving thing could be – that could be dangerous. We'll see. All right. To wrap things up, West Virginia broke the net. They broke Ken Palm. They haven't broken Evan yet. Have they broken Evan? Or Evan's still good? 
Remember, he was on earlier in the year and was like, I just don't know about this team. I'm not as high on them as the net and as high on them as, you know, Ken Palm and, and this and that. And he like while they were up in the, the low teens and, and low 20s, he had them in the 30s because it's a predictive thing about how this is going to go in the future. And um, he's a little bit lower on them now, too. So um, one right, more so Evan's still in good standing right now, then he's accurate, I think. Yeah, yeah. Did not break Bart Torvik. Um, I was looking at this. They're the 10 most similar resumes to West Virginia. That's where I pulled the Oklahoma one from. Oklahoma was the only one that didn't make the tournament. Um, here's a comp for you, Chris. 2017 South Carolina. Similar net resume, power seating, all that stuff. Made the Final Four. Hey, Call I, it in. I'm not going to be able to top that. Let's go. Call it in. <laughs> So a week to fill here before the Saturday-Monday home games. Um, slowing down time, maybe time to roll up our sleeves a little bit here too with uh, some things that have been on the back burner because so much has been on the front burner. Chris, any promises you want to make? Anything up your sleeve here that we can look forward to? I got no promises. Too much going on at the house, as some of our, our forum members know. Uh, but there are plenty of recruiting stories that are coming over the next week and a half. Again, <clears throat> dead period, but... There's so many junior day visits last month that I still got stories coming from those and junior day visits are going to start again in March. And we're only a couple of weeks away from some key visit weekends. I think if you go back and look that first junior day visit weekend, it, it typically happens the first weekend of March, right after the dead period, a high percentage of players that visit during those, uh, those weekends end up either being part of the class or very seriously considering being part of the class. So I think, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss the guys who have already visited in June or January. And and a lot of those guys will be the repeat visitors for March. But these guys who come in March pay very close attention to those guys. All right, I'm sold. And then we'll come back. We'll take a look at the transfer portal hall. Who's been out? Who's been in? And we'll take a, a different look at it before. Did it last year with football and basketball, kind of a more modern way to look at it again. We'll do it this year to to see, I don't know, what they lost, what they gained. And I think sometimes you look at it a different way. Did it really hurt? What are you losing? Sometimes who you lose isn't as much as what you lose. And sometimes what you lose isn't really that much as you know, maybe a name too. So um, find a way to present that, break it down, maybe make you feel better, maybe make you feel worse. But um, that's up to you. Our job is just to put it out there. You can... I don't know, digest it however you want. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you then.